0: Okay, parents, be honest. How many of you have almost or actually left your child behind somewhere? You forgot about them. Um, You lost track of them in a store. Um, Nicole's the kind of person that every two minutes, she's like, where's the kids? And I'm like, right here, um, holding our hands. They're right here. Um, She's always got her head on a swivel, keeping track of the kids. Uh, I, on the other hand, I got left at church twice when I was a child and also got lost in a department store. I stepped onto an ele- elevator, elevator went up a floor, I stepped back out of the elevator totally perplexed as how the room was completely uh, different, and so I got separated from my mom that way. Um, in Luke chapter 2, we have the story of Mary and Joseph, the parents that God entrusted his son to. They lose him for three days. Um, And right now, I know that there are a lot of parents that this has been an incredibly hard year. You've had to do quarantine with your kids. You've had to do e-learning. Some of you are worried about uh, how this is going to affect their development, how, how you're handling this stressful situation. Hey, just know that the people who watched Jesus lost him for three whole days and he turned out okay. I hope that today's story and narrative from Luke chapter 2, that gives you some encouragement. So let's look at this passage in Luke chapter 2. We'll start reading in verse 39. So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city of Nazareth. So once they had done everything at the temple, and that time that they saw Simeon and Anna, they've completed all of the things that pers- the law prescribed for them, they returned home. Verse 40 says, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey, and sought him among the relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. The people would often travel to Jerusalem in a large group or pack, they'd travel together. Many times the men would walk in one group, and the women and children would walk in another group. Jesus is kind of at that age where he could have been among the men, or could have been among the women and children, and so he got lost in the shuffle. So they look for him, they can't find him, they turn back. Verse 46 says So now it was after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously, we've been terrified. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. He obeyed them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Can you imagine how tense that trip back to Jerusalem where Mary and Joseph must have been. Um, walking all the way back to Jerusalem, I'm sure that they had <laughs> some pretty heated discussions about whose fault this was. I thought you were watching him. I thought you were watching him. Um, now, I want you to notice that while Mary and Joseph were absent-minded in this moment and they lost track of Jesus' location, during their journey back from the temple. While they, they they made a mistake in this moment, while this mistake, this this moment was an accident, I want you to see that they were dedicated and intentional about raising Jesus with scriptural rituals. The passage tells us that it was their custom to go to Jerusalem every year for the Passover. Um, Verses 22 and 23, when they're at the temple, tells us that they're performing all of the things according to the law. Um, They were intentional about following all of the practices of taking Jesus to the temple. There were these customs, these every day, every week, every year rituals that they had as a family for teaching Jesus the ways of the people of God, the people of the Lord. And and I'm sure that if you or I were raising the Son of God, we want to make sure that we followed all of God's uh, instructions, right? We want to make sure that we do everything that he's asked us Uh, to do. Uh, Maybe you've watched somebody else's kid and they have really strict guidelines for when nap time is or what they can and can't eat, no sugar. Some of you grandparents, uh, you've watched your grandkids and there's some really specific instructions and you don't follow any of them. You have a great time breaking all those rules. I'm sure that if we watched Jesus's, God's kid, Jesus, we would want to follow all of the guidelines that he laid down. But the guidelines that Mary and Joseph follow are not ones that God just set aside for Jesus, but rather guidelines that he had set aside for every child of Abraham, all of the descendants of Abraham, the people of God. God had established these rituals and practices so that they would be raised up to know the one true God and his law. And, and I think that there's an application here for us that God has blessed us He's given us as parents, as grandparents, as people with influence on the lives of children. He's given us this, this great opportunity to be stewards of these young lives, and we should take advantage of that. We should use everything at our disposal to make sure that our children grow up to know the one true God and his law. What happens to Jesus in the story is an accident, but the results of Jesus' development are no accident. It was very intentional. Um, Luke tells us here that Mary and Joseph, they raised Jesus to grow strong in spirit, develop wisdom, and have favor with God and men. Um, They did a great job in raising Jesus. And I'm sure, by the way, that when Mary opens up Luke's gospel for the very first time to read it and she's talked to him and he's recorded all these things about Jesus's life and she reads Luke 2 I'm sure she's crying at just the incredible story of Jesus's birth and all of these details that Luke has captured. And then she gets to this section and she goes, really, this is the only other story from Jesus's 30 years of life before his ministry? This is the only story that you include um, and listen, there are no doubt uh, stories that we can all tell from family life of the time that we um, made a major blunder. Um, thankfully, we are not the product of our worst day. Thankfully, we are not as a parent only our worst day as a parent, but rather we're the product of every day of our parents raising us and training us. Um, so listen, if you've blown it, if you've, if you've had some real blunders as a parent, know that, that your child will not be the product of just the one bad day, but they will be the product. They will be developed by the everyday discipleship you do with them. Now, that doesn't change the fact that the stories they'll tell to their friends or their therapist, are probably the days that you were at your worst or you made the major blunder. Jesus is left at the temple. He's forgotten in Jerusalem, but his everyday life and his every year customs was spot on. And Jesus was raised to come to, to be strong in wisdom and spirit. And the whole purpose of Luke telling us this story is not just... Um, to provide some comedic relief, like an early Home Alone script. It's not to embarrass Mary and Joseph. The real purpose of telling us the story is that Luke wants us to see Jesus in the temple when Mary and Joseph return. Verses 46 and 47 tell us, So it was after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him we astonished at his answers. Luke wants us to see that Jesus was special from the very beginning. Luke wants us to see that Jesus, the boy from the, the backwoods of Nazareth, is impressing the teachers in the temple in Jerusalem. And, and this is like the kid from the sticks going at, at 13 or 12 years old and impressing the professors of the local university. That's what Luke wants us to see, that Jesus, even though he's a young child, is already impressing the teachers. Luke also wants us to notice that not only is Jesus special from the beginning and have this great grasp of the truth of God, he wants us to see that Jesus, even as a boy, is identifying himself as God's son. Verse 49, in response to to Mary and Joseph, he's not being smart, Alec, but he, he says, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Jesus already understood as a young child that there was something different about the purpose for his life, who he was, his identity, and he's beginning to live in that purpose. Now, Mary and Joseph don't understand what Jesus says to them. And that's because if you've been a parent or you've worked with small children, you know that there are moments that they're driving you crazy and you can't do the most basic of a logic. And so for us reading these verses so closely after the incredible scenes of Luke 2 where Jesus is born and angels sing about his birth and a star aligns with the location of his birth for a wise man to come, reading it in light of those divine events, it seems hard for us to think that Mary and Joseph couldn't grasp what Jesus was saying. But you've got to know that it was 12 to 13 years later and they just spent three days looking for Jesus, anxious and worried about him, afraid that they had lost him. And so in that moment of those hurried circumstances, in that moment of stress and anxiety. Mary says, Jesus, we have been anxiously looking for you. In that moment, Mary and Joseph lose sight of the big picture. And don't we do that all the time? Don't we lose sight of the big picture when there's so much going on? And this is really pertinent for us for right now because right now there's a whole lot going on. Right now, there is so much in the news for us to be worried about. Right now, there is so much that is uncertain. And if we're not careful, we will lose sight of the truly big picture. We'll lose sight of what really matters. And we have got to keep our eyes on the forest and not lose sight of it because of the trees. Mary and Joseph don't understand what Jesus says to them in this moment. But when they get back home, Luke tells us, and Mary kept all of these things in her heart. Now Luke wants us to see that Mary is treasuring these things in her heart. And he uses kind of the same idea that he did after the birth of Jesus. And he's letting us know that Mary is recording all of these things and that she is going to be this this one who can pass it down to Luke who's written it for us. He also wants us to know not only that there's been the record of these events taking place but that Mary is pondering the significance and the meaning of them when she has time to stop and think on these things she's pondering how does this fit into the big grand picture that god has foretold that he is going to use jesus for how does this life this life of the son that she has been called to raise, this life of God's son, how does it fit in this grand narrative of what God is doing. I imagine Mary as she's maybe making her well, way to the well uh, to to get water and she's walking back to the house on her own or she's working in the kitchen and she's making some food and she's she's thinking on these things. Kind of like when you have a moment on a long drive or when you're you're mowing the grass or you're involved in some chores you have this moment to ponder over the events of the week. And Mary is pondering over these things. And here's what Luke is drawing us into. Luke is drawing us into the fact that this is more than just the life and times of Jesus. This is more than just the events of one man's life, but this is the fulfillment of God's plan, and all of these events, all of these moments have great significance in what God is doing. All of these moments, all of these events point to the divine purpose of what God is going to do. And by the way, all of the events of your life, if you're willing to submit to God's leading, if you're willing to submit to his authority, God wants to do the same thing in your life. He wants to use all of the details in your life to fulfill his divine purpose and calling for you. Jesus hasn't even started his ministry yet, but he says, I'm about my father's business Because even in Jesus' development and his growth, even in his, his understanding growing and wisdom growing, even in his development, he's already a part of God's plan. His development for his ultimate purpose was part of living out his purpose. Luke tells us in this passage twice of the kind of upbringing that Jesus had. And that upbringing and that development prepares him for the purpose that is coming. And so this moment that causes Mary and Joseph anxiety, this moment that is unexpected, this moment where they don't know what's going on, they can't understand what's happening. This moment is a moment that God is using in his divine redemptive plan. And know that God wants to do the same thing right now. God wants to use this moment, this moment of uncertainty, this moment of anxiety. God wants to use this moment to develop you for his purpose for you, I'm afraid that we often think of the purpose that God has for my life is somewhere out there, and then one day it's just all going to come together. No, God is working now; He's working right now to prepare you. He's working right now to mature you. Luke bookends this story in verse 40 and verse 52, telling us about Jesus's development. Verse 40 says, "The child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom." and the grace of God was upon him. Verse 52 says Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Hear me, that doesn't happen by accident. Maturity doesn't happen by accident. Growth will happen on its own, but maturity takes intention and effort hear that, okay? There's a difference between growth and maturity. Growth can happen on its own, but maturity requires intention and effort. Let me illustrate what I'm saying to you right now, okay? How many of you know that you can grow older without growing up? How many of you know someone who's grown older without growing up? They're a middle-aged adult, but they act like a toddler, They've grown older, but they're emotionally immature. How many of you know that you can grow biologically mature enough to have a child without being mature enough emotionally or in wisdom mature enough to raise that child? You can grow older and you can grow physically without growing intellectually, emotionally, or spiritually. And we think that this growth is just gonna happen, that it's just gonna happen to us because the, 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 the function of our body and our growth and our aging happens on its own without a whole lot of intention or thought or foresight. You eat and it happens, it just takes place. And we think that's how spiritual growth happens, it's not how it works. And, and this passage, There's a reason that Luke is including this. He wants us to see that it wasn't that Jesus was a random, ordinary child, and then at age 30, he became some extraordinary person. He wants us to see that from the very beginning, God had a purpose and a plan for Jesus, and his whole life, his development, was growth. Joel Green points out in his commentary that Luke is a master of using transition statements to communicate purpose. And what that means is sometimes what you'll have is is then after some time or after these things, and it's just telling us, listen, some time has passed. But Luke is doing more than telling us time is passing. Luke is telling us that time is passing, but as time is passing, Jesus is growing and maturing not just physically but spiritually and mentally he's becoming a deeper person he's becoming a spiritual person and let me point out something pretty neat that that i heard matt brown say years ago there are two books that luke wrote right and how many chapters in those two books? 52, because we're going to look at a chapter a week for 2021. It's the second Sunday of 2021, so we're looking at Luke 2. Next week is the third Sunday, so we're going to look at Luke 3. We're doing 52 chapters in 52 weeks. So there's two books and 52 um, chapters. Luke is going to tell us how Jesus's growth And his development and his living out his purpose makes a difference in the lives of people around him who make a difference in the lives of people around him, who make a difference in the lives of people around them, and it changes the world. But a good theme verse for these two books of 52 chapters would be Luke 2.52. Because Luke 2.52 tells us that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. This was a growing movement that began as a growth in Jesus. And hear me, I have become incredibly convinced this year that revival, the revival that we desperately need, that revival is merely when renewal goes viral. Revival is when renewal goes viral. As Mark Sarris has excellently pointed out, Revival is when renewal goes viral, and renewal is something that happens personally. And so the way that we find revival, the way that we experience revival, the way that we see revival shake our nation and our world is by growth happening in us individually. Faith Church, it's time for us to grow up. The, the, the story of, of Jesus's life, these 30 years that lead up to his ministry, the, the difference, the impact that he is going to make, it starts with growth. It starts with him growing. That's what's happening. It's more than the passing of time. It's more than Jesus waiting around for 30 years to start his ministry. It's Jesus growing and developing. And God sent his son as an infant who had to be fed. God sent his son as a child who had to be cared for. God sent his son as someone who would grow. And what we see happening in Jesus's life is that not only does he grow physically, but he grows mentally, emotionally, spiritually. He's setting an example for us. He's giving us a pattern for us to follow. And that just as Jesus grew into his purpose, you and I need to grow into our purpose, individually and as a church. It's time for us to grow into our purpose, Faith Church. To, it's time for us to grow up by growing deeper. Uh, when I was first preparing this message, I, I wrote down, um, healthy things grow. And then I scratched it out because, because while it is true that healthy things grow, just taken on its own, that, that statement can be misapplied Because I had it in my head that healthy things grow, I had determined that when we were growing, we were healthy. And the truth is that yes, healthy things grow, but you can also grow unhealthily. Unhealthy things can grow too. So a more accurate statement would be healthy things grow in healthy ways, healthy things grow Healthfully, is that you can grow in unhealthy ways you can even grow in dangerous ways let me illustrate let me show you what I'm talking about um, when I was in the fourth and fifth grade I was a pretty chunky kid um, it was it's pretty heavy but then through the end of fifth grade sixth grade up to seventh grade I grew nine inches the height that I am today is the height that I was in seventh grade. I grew to this height at 13 years old. That was some healthy growth because I went from a chunky kid to being very lean and in great shape. That's actually kind of what I'm hoping will happen now. If I could just grow another six inches and stay at this weight, that would be great. Um, every one of us, we have experienced growth in our lifetimes where we have grown taller. That's a good thing, but there's also times of unhealthy growth in our lives. There've been times that I've grown impatient, been times that I've grown discouraged, been times that I've grown bitter, been times that I've grown irrational or arrogant, times that I've grown angry. You can grow in an unhealthy way. Tumors grow, cancers grow, funguses grow, viruses grow grow outbreaks grow corruption grows outrage grows panic grows there are some unhealthy things that grow too healthy things grow but unhealthy things can grow as well and what Luke points out in these verses that encapsulate this story is that Jesus didn't just grow he didn't just grow older he didn't just grow taller he grew wiser He grew deeper in spirit. Faith Church, it's time for us to grow up by growing deep. It's not time for us to pass just another year. It's not time for us just to mark another year on our calendar. It's not time for us just to wish this time of uncertainty away and just just wait for things to get normal. It's time for us to grow into our purpose by growing deeper. It's time for us to grow towards revival by growing personally in renewal. All of the events of Jesus' life were in preparation and in fulfillment of his divine purpose that God had given him. And God is not looking back in heaven and saying, how do I use these moments? He has known that this moment was coming. He has had a plan for us from the beginning, the beginning. and God wants to make changes in us and grow us in this time. Let's not miss it. Mary treasured these things in her heart. She was pondering the significance and the meaning of them. Then everyone is is doing that. Everyone tries to make sense of their own lives. Like Mary pondering the events that took place, we look at the details of our lives and say, what's what's this all for? What does it all mean? And what Luke is doing here is he's taking us on a journey that is going to ultimately reveal the purpose of Jesus' life. And in revealing that ultimate purpose of Jesus' life, he's going to show us what our true purpose is as well. But we miss out on our purpose because we never grow into it. We miss out on our purpose because we never develop into it. Jesus could not conduct his ministry and go to the cross for us if he'd never grown up. But he grew and developed into that purpose and that calling. And I'm afraid that we are missing out on our purpose and calling because we've not grown into it. This happens in our individual lives as well as in our church's life. The time comes to be a wise parent and you've never outgrown the foolishness and ult- an emotional maturity immaturity of your childhood. So in- instead of being a parent to your child, you're still an adolescent looking for approval and friendship. And so instead of training your child to respect you, you try to make them like you. You try to become their friend. It comes time to be a loving spouse, but you've never grown out of being a selfish individual and your love for that other person cannot outpace your love for self. And so when the time comes to sacrificially love that person, to do what is best for them, even though it is greatly inconvenient for you, you can't do it because you've never grown into that purpose. The time comes to be a loving grandparent who leaves a legacy of faith, but you've never grown out of being the center of your own life. So your grandkids are just an extension of the image you want to portray to others instead of a life that you pray over and impart wisdom to. They're just an add-on to your life of selfishness. You see, you can grow older without growing wiser, without growing deeper, without growing more joyful, without growing more patient. You can do that, but it's a tragedy. So how do you grow? Well, Luke told us, Luke told us that Jesus grew in wisdom. What's wisdom? Wisdom is knowledge applied. Wisdom is not just knowing the information, but applying it. It's taking what you know, what you've been taught in God's word, and living it out. Right now, we have more information than ever before, and we got a whole lot less wisdom because the information we have is not being utilized in a healthy way. And there's a whole lot of us that we know, a lot of the Bible, that we're not living out, we're not applying. He grew in wisdom. He grew in strength of spirit. Jesus would have walked to his local synagogue to read the passages of Scripture that were available on scrolls there. He would have taken time to practice Being with God, this practice that we see throughout his gospel narratives of him slipping away to spend time in prayer, this is a practice that is developed. He takes advantage of the opportunities to be in the temple and ask questions and learn of God, not just so that he has a great head knowledge, but so that it shapes and molds and forms his spirit. He would have had rituals and customs that he kept every week with his family, every year with his family, becoming a deeper, more contemplative, spiritual person. And then did you notice that this passage tells us that that Mary and Joseph find Jesus and then it tells us that he goes back and is obedient or submits to them. The God of the universe goes back and and obeys and submits to the people who just forgot where he was, who could not find him for three days. But he humbles himself, not just to the the flesh of mankind humbles himself not just to the limitations of this earthly existence and life. He humbles himself to listen to his mother and father, to honor his parents. He places himself under their accountability. And listen to me you will not develop into the person that God has called you to be. You will not develop into the purpose that God has for your life if you never are held accountable. If there's no one who can call you out, who can challenge you. Jesus is the God of the universe and he goes and he obeys Mary and Joseph as a teenager. Listen, when I was a teenager, I thought I knew everything, and because I thought I knew everything, I didn't feel like I needed to listen to my parents. Jesus was God in the flesh. He truly did have the authority of the universe at his disposal, yet he submitted to his parents. And so listen, if you're a teenager watching this and you think that your parents don't know anything, take a cue from Jesus who obeyed his parents. And if you're a Christian who thinks that you have got it all figured out and you know everything and there's nobody that can really tell you what to do, there's nobody that can challenge you because who are they to challenge you because you have been a Christian all these years or you know this much about the Bible, let me tell you that you will never grow in wisdom and depth of spirit if you're not accountable to the body of believers. If you think that you're better than everyone else or that you don't have to listen, if you're not willing to humble yourself, you will not grow into who God has called you to be. But then there's one last element that Luke wants us to see. He tells us in both of these verses, in 40 and in 52, that Jesus had the favor of God or the grace of God upon his life. Were, were you ever in a class where there was a teacher's pet? Or were you ever on a team where the coach's son or daughter was also on the team? And maybe you thought, well, yeah, I'd get good grades too, or I'd stay out of trouble too if the teacher loved me or showed me favoritism like they showed to Joey. Or you thought, yeah, I'd get playing time too if my dad was the coach. We could read this and say, well, yeah, of course he had favor with God, it's God's son. But I want you to know that the grace and favor that God showed to Jesus is a grace and favor that he shows to us. Listen, you don't have the ability, even with information applied, knowledge, wisdom, accountability, even with contemplative practices and religious, religious spiritual disciplines, you cannot grow into who it is that God has called you to be on your own. You must have God's power and grace. But he has made that available. And the Bible promises us that he will use all things together for the good of those who love him. And just as he used all of the moments of Jesus' life and just as he lined up all of these things, He is willing to do that in your life if you'll have it. Towards the end of Luke's second book, he tells us of a time that Paul is speaking to the believers in Ephesus, and he tells them, he says, Now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified, among all those who have been made holy, In other words, Paul is saying, I leave you in the grace and truth of God because it has the power to transform you and give you the inheritance, the calling, the purpose that God has for you. Listen, just as much as God poured grace upon his son, and use the details of his life to prepare him for the purpose God has promised and he has made possible for his grace to be poured upon you and for him to lead and guide you through this life to use all of the details, all of the circumstances, all of the events, good and bad, for your good. That God has made himself available at your disposal to bring you about to growth, to make you into the, the, the believer, the, 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 the disciple that he's called you to be. And just as much as God worked in the life and the, the circumstances of Jesus and his disciples and their disciples and their disciples and the church, God wants to do that in you. And you can grow in wisdom wisdom and in strength of spirit and in God's favor too.